Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters. Smart Recruiters enables hiring without boundaries by freeing talent acquisition teams from legacy applicant tracking software. Smart Recruiters Next Generation Platform serves as a hiring operating system for over 4,000 customers like Bosch, LinkedIn, Sketches, and Visa. Companies with business critical hiring needs turn to Smart Recruiters for best of breed functionality, world class support, and a robust ecosystem of third party applications and service providers. To find out more, go to smartrecruiters.com. That's smartrecruiters.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 543 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Earlier in the summer, I collaborated with the Smart Recruiters team to interview four fantastic practitioners who spoke on the Hiring Without Boundaries stage at RecFest in London. We recorded the conversations backstage at the event, and this is the first of three podcast episodes where I'll be sharing them. Hiring for frontline retail positions has always been a challenge, but since the pandemic, it's a challenge that has increased exponentially. So how does an expanding retail group fill 30,000 roles a year at pace while ensuring a high quality candidate experience that reflects the fact that their candidates literally are their customers? My first RecFest guest is Adam Reynolds, head of talent at Fraser's Group. Fraser's Group is a multi-brand international retail chain and Adam and his team have used technology to transform their TA strategy to meet the needs of the business in a very tough talent market. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So um, you've just come off stage, packed room. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the, the benefit of seeing your presentation, so I want to ask you sort of lots of questions about what you were talking about. Before we do, though, please just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do. Yeah, hi. Um, so I'm Adam Reynolds. I'm the head of talent for Fraser's Group. Um, we are a retail conglomerate that incorporates Sports Direct, House of Fraser, Jack Wills, Flannels, uh, a whole bunch of, of other uh, household names as well as uh, an emerging digital offering through, um, I saw it first, misguided studio retail. And yeah, we, we're growing by acquisition. My team as a result of that from a TA perspective is also growing, uh, not by acquisition, but more organically. Yeah, absolutely. How big is your TA team now? So we are just under 20 heads my team uh, recruiting across uh, the UK market as well as the European mainland as well as also some areas in APAC now as well as that's beginning to expand. Talk us through your recruiting challenges because really interesting business. Um, obviously, lots of things going on. What are the what are the big recruiting challenges that you have? Sure, sure. So um, the the presentation today was focusing on probably the least glamorous and the least sexy part of recruitment, but for us, I guess fundamentally the the, the bit that that adds the most value to our business and that's your store based colleagues and and the problem and I guess the challenge that we have in that space it, it, it kind of sits across all of our recruitment really. It's in the attraction area um, and it's getting people to want to work for your business. You know, it's getting people to look at your business and there's a lot of options out there at the moment and um, I don't think it would be unfair to say that retail maybe isn't everyone's first choice right now you know yeah. I think there's a lot of a lot of businesses out there that are um, emerging uh, maybe or, or, or is seen as more sustainable on longer term and um, and I think Fraser's books the trend with that I mean commercially it, it, it massively in fact so educating and, and informing people about 
the opportunity with a business like Fraser's that is very bricks and mortar. You know, we have a digital element to it, you know, and we will always be bricks over clicks. You know, we'll have those physical stores and um, and I guess that might make us look a little bit less attractive to some people. So for me, look, principally, it, it, attraction is the the most important um, uh, I guess lever that we're going to need to pull in the near future and give us an idea of the kind of the scale of the the, the sort of numbers that you've got going through in that type of recruitment yeah sure so as a, from a global headcount of around about 40,000, we hire a roughly 30,000 heads per year. But a lot of those are, of course, seasonal colleagues. So it's, it's not necessarily due to a huge amount of churn. Uh, it is due to the fact that we, we scale up and dial up the numbers at, at, uh, at seasonal time, so summertime and Christmas time. Um, we hire principally about 90% of that 30,000 is in the retail space and, and, and probably a couple of thousand, two and a half thousand in the head office space. And uh, we have a, quite a large uh, warehouse operation, but it's not something that my team looks after. But it is still, obviously, a, a big part of our, our headcount additions annually and is that something that's scaled up as you've acquired more companies is it is it got a lot bigger recently yeah sure so it very much has actually i joined in 2020 and we were looking at around about 12 to 14 thousand heads higher per year across the whole estate all included retail and head office uh we took that to around twenty five thousand last year that's just mainland uk we've not included europe and, and our, our asian operations into that we'll take it just over 30 so yeah look it's it's not quite exponential, but it's certainly going up by a pretty a pretty decent percentage on an annual basis. Talk us through how you did it. Yeah, okay, so um, we, blood and sweat, frankly, <laughs> uh, and, and also trial and error as well. We yeah. we um, we went in there with a theory and with some principles, and they were they were based on the numbers. You know, we, we we lent into the science of recruitment, right? We knew our ratios, we knew what the numbers were saying, we knew. And again, the presentation that I just gave them was very much looking at the the COVID world and the post-COVID world and the landscape changes that had happened as a result of that. And I guess how we did it is by implying urgency, basically. There was, a, there was a level of pace and velocity, as we called it, that we applied into recruitment at all stages. You know, mm. the, the three points on the phrases TA triangle are pace, volume and quality. And they all pull in different directions. You know, they are they don't make good bedfellows unfortunately no, you know, not, they, at they, not at all not at all yeah. thing. but we needed to find a, a harmonised process that, that not only you, you know looked to maximise them certainly didn't compromise any of them and, and yeah we did that by applying real urgency and agency to what we did and um, applying very strict SLAs to time frames that we would leave candidates hanging for for instance you know we don't want anybody not knowing things for longer than 48 hours you know you don't, shouldn't be in a process for longer than 7 days without knowing wow. where you are and jobs yeah. shouldn't stay open for longer than 30 days you know there was a there was some real rigor behind that but it was listening to the story the numbers were telling us attrition was happening because of um because people had options there were so many options in the in the post and mid-covid world that you needed to move move with purpose quickly and, and that's you know how, how did we do it yeah it was it was by by not compromising any of those three points but really leaning into pace so on that topic of pace and SLAs around pace, and you mentioned sort of 48 hours and, mm -hmm. and seven days there, is that, are you sort of combining the, the key issues of great candidate experience in terms of communication, but also the demands of the business? Um, how have you done that? Yeah, we, I, I go back to the blood and sweat piece as well. And, and, and that's not just in terms of the actual legwork. There's a lot of manual work in devising, developing and, and embedding processes, but it's actually getting your stakeholders, your business in our instance. And this is a, you know, this, is, this is a business that operates in 25 countries. You know, every piece of um, process that you produce needs to be uh, translated into a whole bunch of languages and trained into a whole bunch of people. And um, everything that you want to do needs to be harmonized and systematic and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, Christ, it was really, really difficult. We, we learned a huge amount about... Um, bulk communication i think right. that's that's that was the that was yeah. the big thing that we really learned and 
and he was trial and error. We, we didn't get it right, and uh, I would be, I would be lying, frankly, if I told you that it was all smooth sailing <laughs> and it went perfectly well from the start. Yeah. It really didn't. There were some ugly times, and we, we had to really hold a mirror up to ourselves and say, okay, is this working, and why isn't it working, and what does the asking the business, what do you want, what do you want to see, and how would this work for you? And yeah, we look. I said in the presentation there, I said, this is not, not the end, not the beginning of the end. It's maybe just the end of the beginning of this process. Yeah, absolutely. Talk us through a little bit more about bulk communication. Um, how does sort of technology work around that? How's the, how do you ensure the quality of communication at scale? Because I think that's always been such a massive challenge for talent acquisition. It's kind of like recruiting is sure. great one-on-one, but how do you keep that quality up at you know, one to 10,000 or whatever it is? Yeah, do you know what? This is, this is death by a thousand paper cuts, actually, because there are so many ways that you need to communicate with people in order for them to actually take it in and listen. There's a level of repetition, and it is a drumbeat. It is, a, it is a fundamentally, it is drumbeat communications. There is no way you send out a comms and it gets embedded and it becomes, you know, BAU. You you go out with the communication, you do a physical training, you do an e-learning training, you have a multimedia approach to this. You know, there is yeah. so many different angles that you need to approach. The, the How do I get this information into a store colleague that doesn't look at a computer all day? Yeah. You know, they're, they're on the shop floor. How do I get that? And they're busy and they've not got time to, to spend, um, you know, doing an e-learning module or sitting through a training program. You know, what what is the mechanism by which we... So there was... There's some policing of this as well you know there's the bad cop element that you 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 you're running through reports and, and and creating lead tables of naughty boys and girls you know and sort of saying you know yeah. you don't be low on this league table you know your, your errors are high or you you know you, you've done particularly well you know can you can you maybe be a bit of an advocate for this and finding that peer-to-peer and that's the key the peer-to-peer learning and that kind of almost a herd mentality of when a group of people start to pull in the same direction the people that aren't pulling in that direction begin to feel like they're they're not pulling their weight so it was creating that kind of swell of support around what you were doing so you needed to create some anchors some key people that were going to be your your go-to people if you will in the retail space and say okay we need you're an advocate of this you're good at this talk to your guys in your area you know can you support me on this training program if i drop this comms into you can you make sure it goes out to those people and then you create an e-learning and you do a physical thing and every time you pick up the phone and every time you talk to someone you remind them what's the top two things top three things what are these things you you know this repetition that's that's the key and has it over time become obvious what's in it for them for sure oh 100 percent. look the the, the 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 whole basis of this was to deliver commercial benefits for the business right this is not because we want to challenge ourselves to hit a, 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 a you know a, a vanity kpi it is absolutely about um commercially we need bodies on the shop floor we need to fill these roles you know the, the cost of a role not being filled is you know yeah. this this is not being sold we can we can almost track on a graph we can see drops in productivity within a team where they have too few sales assistants where they're missing an assistant manager where there's no store manager that's an impact commercially and that's you know we can't take that as a business and we and nor should we either so yeah they see the benefits of this completely doesn't always mean they do <laughs> things but it's lights a bit of a fire yeah. beneath them And from the candidate perspective, how how much automation is there in the process and the communication and how does that feel and how do you sort of shape that accordingly? Yeah, it's, it's a balancing act, isn't it? That there, there is, a, there is a, a sweet spot that you've got to find between automation of communication and it becoming robotic and systematic and people want to feel like they've been 
spoken to by a human and taken into consideration so we always make sure that there is a there's a natural there's an automated element to the front end of that process where the funnel is wide there's no way we can you know directly communicate on a one-to-one basis with you know we got 1.3 million applications last year you know we, we hired 30,000 of those people there's a lot of people there that we had to reject at first stage you know yeah. we, we conducted close to 90,000 interviews in total across the business um, most of those would have been virtual interviews you know so the, the, there's a lot of interactions people have so we make a mandate that when somebody has approached a certain point in the process and they've met a person whether it's virtually or whether it's in person there's a direct communication there prior yeah. to that yeah. we, we automate that communication we make it as personable and as value aligned and, and as and, and with the tone of voice and the tonality of Fraser's group built into it but of course we have to seek the efficiencies what role does technology play in all of this it, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> fundamental to it. it underpins everything that we do right if we didn't have that you know the system that we've got does an amazing job of creating very elegant and 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 attractive and 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 nice communication flows for people you know we we can we can bespoke it and we have bespoke it within an inch of its life and 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 that's fantastic because it allows us to you know you you obviously know the business and you know the amount of facial and brands that we've got so many different doors that we have you know with 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 brand names above them they all have a slightly different tone of voice so having the capacity to be able to and a system that will recognize that and will send out a sports direct uh, toned letter to somebody or a flannels toned letter to somebody or a phrases group you know if you will um the system allows us to do that without that you know you yeah. it's homogenous and, it's, and, it, and then it does become um it, it becomes sanitized and it becomes robotic absolutely and to get into that and also going back to what you said right at the beginning in terms of the the competition that you have in the market the fact that um not everyone will see retail as a natural um a natural career for them how do you tell that story how do you sort of convince people to apply in the in the first place Wow. If you find the answer to that question, uh, if you're whoever you interview, if you ask that same question, please, to everybody. And if you could just get back to me with some data on that one. Um, we, we have a, a really, I mean, we're, we're quite lucky. We, we acquire businesses and it means that we, we come at retail from an angle of growth. So we're on a trajectory. We've got, we've got a, a amazing um, financials. We've got growth in physical stores, in digital and, and, and. So the, if you... The challenge is, and now when I go back to the attraction piece, the challenge is getting people to look at your business, first of all. And that applies yeah. to everybody. Everybody's got the same problem. How do you stand out in a crowd of everybody shouting the loudest? Who, who you know, and everybody starts to trying to be creative and then everyone's being creative and then everyone's not creative because you're part of the same crowd. So, but once we get people to look at us, I have real confidence that people will stand up and take notice of our business because of the, 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 the commercials, the, 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 the yeah. brands that we've got. You know, what yeah. a great story we have and all these acquisitions and things. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant story to tell. The challenge is getting them to look at you in the first place and mm. trying to re-educate, I guess, a, a landscape of people that maybe aren't necessarily seeing retail as a long-term career for themselves. You know, yeah. we, in the digital space, absolutely, e is you know will be the future of course where do you buy your clothes you, you, someone's got to buy that you've got to buy them from somewhere but the shop based stuff that's the bit that we're working on at the moment and, I, and again I'm not we're definitely not there yet and there's a whole story to tell that we've not quite cracked yet yeah. but that, that's yeah. and it, for, for me 23 onwards the goals and, and the targets are going to be in that space you mentioned ratios and things like that tell us about the data that sits behind all of this what, yeah, sure. what have you what have you learned sure 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 so through 2020 we, we took a real deep dive into the data and the, the numbers were quite ugly ratios had, 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 had spiraled out of control almost you know we were seeing a 65 percent offer to higher ratio which is you know all the work that you've done up to that point for someone then to not start was really really ugly um we're very very familiar with our ratios around applications to interview and interviews to hire things because you know that drives our productivity it gives us 
an opportunity to apply the right resource to projects and things like that or to put the right spend behind things if we need to attract a you know a wider community of people um, we we live and die by the numbers frankly I mean when you're recruiting that many people it, it would be foolish not to be really really aware and, and even if you're not comfortable with your numbers the knowledge is power and you yeah. can do something about it yeah so with with so many applications so many people kind of getting through to, you know to certain parts of the process i mean how, how does it work from a talent pooling perspective is this is this an area where you can you can do talent pooling yeah for sure so in the retail space particularly in the early careers retail space so this is people that are doing saturday's jobs part-time jobs seasonal jobs that kind of thing they have a period of time when they are going to be available to do that sort of work maybe they're going through university or education or what have you so you've probably got let's say between six months and four years that person's going to be a live active candidate we're aware of that so we create communities that allow us to to farm that group of people um so what what, what we referred to in the presentation was the 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 process the velocity of the hiring process means that we create a lot of applications but we move only a small amount of them through because we're very purposeful about the people we move through we make sure we target them with the automation that's in the system and it allows us to target the right people to put through the process but then as a result of that it creates a whole amount a whole huge um, a whole huge group of silver medalist candidates that we yeah. can drop into communities and yeah. do something with so that that for me the, the, the future of retail recruitment for us is to nurture and to, 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 to create those communities and to allow them to drive all future recruitment at, at colleague base level and above as well you know the, a lot of people stay in retail so you become you, whether it's uh, institutionalised by the retail you get bit by the bug and you tend to move up the ladder and you like what you see in retail so you do tend to move up the, the chain in, in, from a job level perspective so we, if we can capture these people at a store colleague base level we can follow their career and even if they don't join us as a supervisor they might join us as an assistant manager or a store yeah. manager or, or so on This is such an interesting area because you're already using a huge amount of um, automation you're really working on um, you're really working on personalisation where does that leave recruiters in the future? I suppose two parts to this question. What, what role do the recruiters have now in this, in this system, as it were? Where do you think that's going in the future? interesting I was I watched the talk earlier about chat GPT and I had some really candid conversations actually last night and today around the use of this kind of tool and it's only one part of this isn't it the automation and the the AI and, and, and the community piece we can't do recruitment without a human intervention there's no way to do it they can't do it we need to assess we need to vet we need to deal with queries we need to we need to offer an FAQ to our stores we need to have the ability to audit and edit and to, to review and assess ratios we need to make a subjective in many instances call as to whether this role needs a sponsorship behind it or does this role need to go to a LinkedIn or whatever you know I, I, I am I'm a staunch believer that 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 gut instinct that you can't get from an automated system that ChatGPT won't do for you. It sits in your recruiter, that's in your recruiter. They make a judgment call and we yeah. are so, we, we align our process so heavily to a values and culture model there is no way a system can assess that. We can do a Boolean search and a, and a ChatGPT or an AI can tell you whether someone's got words on their CV that match, which is great. They are never in a million years going to be able to assess somebody's values, behaviours and cultural you know, match or addition to a business and that, that's, that's a person. And do you think that we'll get to a point where um, people can do that better, um, spend more time on it? What, what do you think the future will look like? I think we'll start to weaponize these automation tools and find more efficient, because ultimately they are efficiency drivers. They're not replacement tools. I think that you either work with them or you, you work against them. 
Luddite type fashion, I suppose we we will work with those tools and we'll find ways that they will make our process better. They won't necessarily replace elements. They probably, maybe they will replace things, but they will also add additions into a process. You know, they'll allow us to make to write better adverts, for instance. You know, there's a time-saving mechanism. You know, I, my recruiters are better spent assessing people or assessing CVs or you know, we're speaking to stakeholders or, or, or you know, doing the value-added bits. If we can get a piece of automation that's going to do the bits that are administratively laborious and onerous, what a great thing that is going to be. And and you are always going to need to have. We've always built efficiency into things, but you're always going to need to have a person turning the wheel. Adam, thank you very much for talking to me. No problem, really enjoyed that. My thanks to Adam. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter recruiting future feast and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show thanks very much for listening i'll be back next time and i hope you'll join me this is my show